Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tas Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Alistair Bolding. He's an expert in construction science management and a master tradesperson. All right, Alistair, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Got it. Not a problem. Glad to be here. Yeah. So when I look at your profile, you have the education, the PhD that you're pursuing, but you have master tradesperson. Yeah. Uh, well, that's one of the shirts I'm wearing. I'm bringing one of my bring back the trade shirt, which I need a new one. Oh, that's nice. And uh, so I went to go do some work just this morning. Yeah, because I don't stop doing my trades. Yeah. How did it start for you? Well, truthfully, it started because I needed a job. That's the truth. I needed a job and uh, I wasn't going to myself. I wasn't going to college right away. So I, I found a job when my friends was in a trade and H- HVAC, HVAC. You know, I got that plug. I got that helping hand to get in. And I started nine bucks an hour as a uh, as a helper. Most people don't know about the helper stage, right? And <laughs> you said a helping hand. Who, who who helped you out? Oh, one of my buddies. He was in it for a few years. He was in it for a few years. So that's what we just try to do. You know, one brings another one in, brings another one in. We just try to kind of pay it forward when there's good, high-paying jobs, benefits. You know, I got to go to school for free to an apprenticeship program, three and a half years. I wish I was in my office at the campus because then I got my nice diploma there. I got a couple of them sitting over in the corner of the room on the other side of the room, but the trades, my HVAC, my actual master's certification diploma is there at the campus. It's my most important one because it was my first one. Mm. Yeah. So in terms of just getting, you know, when you get into something, you, you try to help other people when they don't have good prospects of jobs. And, you know, the trade was a good prospect of job for me when someone said, I'm from the, I'm from the North. I'm from, you know, New York. When someone said union, that was uh, a big thing. Was, was oh, you got a union job because you you got set wages. There's incremental increases in pay and and so on and so forth and the education fund and so I just went from helper to apprentice to junior mechanic to journeyman journey person to a uh, foreman so to speak to a, a shop steward, which is the liaison yeah. between the shop that you work for and the union. Yeah. So I represented all the guys in the shop, right? So I was the go-between. Like if they ever had to have a meeting with management, I was that guy that had to be in there. I was their rep. And and you mentioned, I mean, I I mean, in the trades, there's demand for sort of people that are interested in getting into skilled trade. But I guess the referral is useful in terms of someone wanting to get into a good situation, right? A good boss, a, a good company, and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of bad ones and there's tons of good ones, right? Like me, I always say this. If you're going to work at like, I want to do something out here. I don't know, I'm now in South Carolina. I want to do something called a career change fair, right? Not a career fair, but a career change fair. Try to bring people from that are working in Burger King. Because I actually taught in vocational colleges and trade school. I taught electrical and HVAC. And a lot of the, the people that were in the school were 30-something, 40-something years old that were looking to transition into getting a you know a trade a, a real career going for themselves because they're working in burger king for nine years they're working in kfc or walmart and not to knock those jobs i'm just saying that those jobs you're going to get 
15 to 20 an hour. You're in a trade, you're getting 25 to who, who knows what, 65 an hour, 75 an hour when you're in skilled trade. Uh, oh so I wanted to have like a career change fair. Uh, I kind of thought, I thought that was catchy. I, I like it. Now, you know, obviously you've talked to many people that, you know, are thinking about changing or in, in a different role that's not in the trades. What do you tell them? Because I, I'm sure some of them are intimidated at the prospect. I don't think you need to be intimidated by it. You, you need to look at the opportunity of it. Intimidated by it. You could learn it, you know, in where well, I was going to show you this book, uh, Pipe Fitter's book, where it was uh, wrote by a pipe fitter. Right. So this is a, like a text that we go by. Pipe Fitter did this. You don't need to be intimidated by it or think that you don't have the skill set. I mean, don't be afraid of something until you try it. I mean, let's be serious. Don't be scared of something unless give it a shot, especially if something can change your life dramatically through higher pay. I mean, there's a big difference from making 13 bucks an hour to 33 bucks an hour, right? From 33 to 63. It's these are huge changes. Don't be afraid of getting into the trade or getting into construction. Be enthusiastic. Be excited. Say, when I when I got in, I said, man, I'm excited. Like this isn't a dead end job. This is not a dead end job to me. I didn't think it was at all. Not one bit. Every year I went up in in, in pay. How did you position yourself to move up in pay every year? Learned. I learned. What did you learn? I would spend my time to learn everything. I was the type where in HVAC you get service called a lot, right? And there's a lot of overtime jobs. I would hang out with, a, when I was a helper, an apprentice, I would say to my journeyman that I'm with, my lead, I'd say, hey, you got a call. I'll go with you. I'll hang out. I wouldn't do it every time. If they, if they got a call four days a week, I might have went with them twice. And I just helped them. So when I helped them and I wasn't getting paid for it, the company saw that, that he wanted, that I wanted to learn. The journey person, my lead that I was with, was more willing to like buy me lunch the next day and open up and teach me something more than he was before because I put that extra time. And I remember, I remember a specific job I went to on a Saturday. It was close to my house. So I had a work van already. I was like a junior mechanic. And I just drove over there because I knew there was six guys working. I didn't get paid. I just went and said, what's up? Said, hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing? I had a piece of like, I don't know, two foot long piece of two inch pipe in my van that they needed a foot of it to finish the job. And I showed up and I'm just shooting, shooting the breeze with them. And, um, and I had that. And that was one of the reasons I was voted in to be the shop steward. I had to be voted by the workers that who was going to represent them to speak for them on behalf of them and really have their interests at heart, their needs at heart. So I would do things like that. So, you know, you catch more flies with uh, honey than you do with vinegar is what you say. So I just learned, man. I'd go to classes all the time, too. I, I didn't care if I was if there was a free class on Saturday at the union. I didn't care if Friday night I was banged up. Like I went on Saturday more. You know, I, I just it's free. I'm going to go learn. And truthfully, Adam Hoots, our friend, I said it on uh, went, went on his podcast. I said, if you're not spending 200 to a thousand dollars a year on yourself, on you, you're making a mistake. Yeah. You're making a mistake. Have you spent $200 this year on yourself and this invested 200 bucks in your personal growth in your education and learning something new? You have. Yeah. That's one of the small tricks that we have in the game. Yeah. And I guess, I think, I guess you're saying that when you go to those classes, 
you're probably meeting people that also want to learn a lot. You're networking, right? Every day you're kind of networking. And when I went to those classes, I met, I met um, tradesmen in other companies. And now my network opened up where some people felt like, oh, I, I only could work in this one company. But now I knew Bill and John and Mark and Brian, and, and now we're buddies and we're hanging out. So if I need to, I can escape the company I'm with or move on from the company I'm with, whatever, whichever way you want to put it. You know what I mean by that. Sometimes you really knew to just let me get out of here. But networking and learn. I used to tell the guys that I managed once I got the supervisor and project manager, they'd talk to me about their pay. You know, guys would come and say, hey, you know, how do I get more money? And I'd say, well, do you know how to do this, this, and this? Or have you been doing this, this, and this? You don't really need to worry about your pay in the trades. You, you need to know what you know. You need to worry about what you know and what you're producing. It's a merit. It's meritocracy. It's merit-based system. You know, even in something like unions where you think it's one set scale. No, it's not. It's merit-based. The scale might be 42 an hour for whatever trade, whatever it is, but the, the guy that's producing more, the woman that's producing more, that's better at the job, that does more work, they're getting 47 an hour or 52 an hour. So someone told me, if you're in a, in a field where there's actually a scale rate, all right, this is the so-called quote-unquote highest you can get paid per hour, and you're getting paid that, you're doing something wrong. You should be getting paid more than that. So you got you kind of got to look at, you got to point the finger to this direction at yourself, not outward. They're holding me back all the time. They're doing this to me. Point it at yourself. Now, if you exhaust all those options pointing at yourself, then yeah, probably it's them. <laughs> it's probably them at that point, right? Then you use, utilize your network, I guess. Well, it's the same thing in managing. I manage projects in construction. I'd say, well, did I set my crews up to for success? Did I set them up to be successful on this project? Did I have all the materials set up? Did I have every every all the equipment set up that they needed? Now, if I didn't, I can't can't blame them, right? I can't blame them for that if they didn't get it done. Well, I didn't bring them the torches. We're piping and stuff. They don't have torches. I, you know, see, you look at yourself first and then. Then point the finger outward. Just check yourself first. And it's hard to be consistent with that. You just try to be. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. So, you know, you said you learn, 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 learn. What uh, lessons, classes, advice, conversations have had the most impact on you in terms of your career and your development? Conversations that have an impact on me. Aside from the learn, work hard. I've had so many. There's like, it's got to be hundreds. <laughs> right for all of us it's got to be hundreds of conversations because we remember these little snippets these little words i remember one of my guys joe he would he would come to jobs and i'd be stuck on something and, and he would fix it in five minutes wow it was just such a gut shot that i was kind of ready to give up you know and he came and did it so quick but that's experience you know that's that's him knowing you know how to do it a little bit but he, he had 20 some years and i, I might have had seven at the time or four at the time or something what was your thought process there? I mean, I should have come sooner or there's just so much to learn. What were you thinking when, you know, you were struggling with something and in five minutes uh, it was solved? Yeah, sometimes that's just experience because he's done it before numerous times. And the biggest thing was perseverance, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't have experience, at least have perseverance, right? Like, don't give up. Ask the question, like, how do I get this done? Let me call T up and ask him, hey, you've done this before. 
this is what I'm, and nowadays you have all this technology, cell phones and, and everything. I remember teaching in trade school, I'd tell the, some of the teachers would tell the students no cell phones in class, right? You're not allowed to use your cell phone in class. And me, on the other hand, I would tell them, I don't not only want your cell phone with you in class, my rule is it has to be charged up when you get here. I don't want to see chargers in the walls, right? I want it charged when you get here because it's a tool, right? I just did it on the on the call that I went on this morning. I'm taking photos of the model and serial number, the nameplates on the machines. I'm taking photos of how the wiring was before I touched it, just in case, because I don't really want to read the schematic every single time. So I'm like, okay, this was here. This black was there. Blue was there. I'm taking photos of everything. I'm I'm sending emails from my phone. By the way, if there's any trades people listening, you better start using your emails. Okay. You better start writing all your tickets and everything. Stop getting mad when someone says fill out your timesheet. Fill it out with legible handwriting. Okay. All right. Seriously. Like put your paperwork in the right way. It makes everyone's life easier because don't think that, oh, the office doesn't. They don't know anything. We don't need them. The office is sitting there thinking about the field people. Oh, they're, they don't know what they're doing. The catch is, is a business. You both need each other. It's a symbiotic relationship. So get over it and get used to it. There's some, there's some advice right there, T. Yeah, yeah. So from the field, you know, emails, writing stuff down, looking at from the other side, what, like from the admin managerial side, what, what needs to be of uh, more consideration? Oh, you know, there's so many things. There's, there's so many things on both sides. Years ago, years and years ago, I was writing a paper on, I call it the blue collar, white collar. It's the collar color line, as I like to call it. But it's just blue collar and white collar. Like, there's nothing to do with race, man. There's blue collar and white. Because it, it, like in construction, for example, you really have massive forces of blue collar and white collar. And they're constantly kind of butting heads. I've heard it. I've been on both sides. And you see... The office people saying about the field crews, these guys don't know what they're doing. They're he's an idiot. They don't send their paperwork in. And then you get the field crews doing the same thing with the office. They don't know what they're doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he's never been out here. You know, we were trying to figure out how to get the office people for like one week, right? One week of time, get office people to work out in the field and field people to work in the office, right? That's a recipe for disaster, most likely. <laughs> Okay, but just so they could see the different like lives that they live. Because when we would send people would say, Oh, they didn't get the delivery in there for two hours. Well, guess what? There was all this equipment in the way on whatever job site you're running. So we couldn't get the delivery. So we're we're behind two hours because it was supposed to take 10 minutes, but it couldn't. So the office folks can't see that, right? But then the field folks can't see when the phones are ringing off the hook, when the the office people are trying to read the paperwork you just sent in and it's chicken scratch. And you're right. They don't know the equipment as well as you do in the field. So it's easier if they could read your paperwork. So there's just this universal impasse of just they're colliding all the time. And both sides need to look at it a little bit from the other one's perspective. Mm. Earlier, it wasn't clear to me. Are you suggesting doing the work swap or just just a bit more awareness and empathy? I mean, if the work swap could work, if you had 10 office staff and you had like 10 field staff and take one a week and swap them, not so they could, you're not, you're not trying to cross train them, right? You're just trying to show them the, the hardships of each position because 
I've seen office staff, management staff that have tried to learn the field stuff and it's really hard. It takes years, right? And then I've seen the field guys, I've seen guys go into the office and psh, turn around three months, they're back out in the field because they didn't have the soft skills. They didn't, they were very rough around the edges, you see. And now like my trade, it took me, I'm not talking about five months. Think about HVAC, they have trade schools for eight months, a year. I've worked with them. I've hired these these folks. They don't know everything that need that needs to be known in the field. So they come out of trade school, but they're only ready for an entry level position. You see, they're not ready. They're not a full fledged technician or pipe fitter or anything like that. So all these things just take time. They just take time. There's yeah. a way to do it. So a lot of companies are doing really well. Some of them. Which companies are doing well? I know one company down in uh, Miller, Miller Electric down in, uh, they're based in the, in the Southeast. They make progress. They do a lot of work with their, taking their field crews and transitioning them into management. From what I understand, I've had two conversations, three conversations with them. They're doing pretty well. And they also have something that, I wish I could like pull it up on my screen right now. It's, it's their stuff. So I, even if I had it, I shouldn't. It's not just what the management expects from the field, but it's what the field expects from the management. So they have a whole list of what the field crews can read it of what you can expect from your managers. This is what they're supposed to provide you. If they're not providing you, then you get to hold them accountable. Mm. And that's a big thing because there usually is no guideline for what the field is supposed to expect from management. Yeah. And you're saying that there's progress from field into management. It it sounds like that's maybe used as a recruiting process. Is that the case? Is there is an expectation come coming in, or or is it just kind of happening, just just the way that they're training people? You know, I'm not sure if they use that as a recruiting process, but it damn sure should be. It should be because I think that's some of the stigma behind the construction industry that if you're laying block when you start, you're going to be laying block 40 years later. If you're just piping, you know, as you start as a helper, you're just going to be piping later on. I think that um, when you have more of a career path, career trajectory for people from the field into different positions, I think that'll entice other ones to come into the industry. I actually tried to bring to my union at one point, you know, let's, let's give project management classes. Right. Because there's always extra classes in the union hall. There's always extra ones, but they were really for technical things. How many folks don't even reply all on an email? You see what I mean? Like who, we don't you don't have this this netiquette, right? Etiquette, like netiquette. They don't have that netiquette. Right. They don't know. A lot of folks don't know how to use a word doc. Right. What's a PDF? Things of this. I, I, and also, you know, construction management language intro classes like. Who knows what an RFI is? Who knows what a submittal is, right? What's a change order? Certain little things. So I said to my union, I go, for anyone that's been in 12 to 15 years, let's offer a class of management, mm. right? Free class in the union, offer a class of management, right? So essentially you're getting for a 25 year old that goes in, does 15 years. Now they're at 40 years old. Now they're offered a management class they get a certificate for. So now they could go and, you know, promote themselves as, oh, I, I have this, I have this, even though they're at another entry level, but they're not really at entry level because they have all this field experience. And someone now gave them a class on estimating, on construction management language, right? 
all this stuff. So now you kind of, now that person sees, oh, I did this for 15, 20 years. Now I'm going to smoothly transition into another role. That there are many to fill in the industry. Every every role is lacking now. I mean, in every position. Uh, name one company that has every position they want filled. Yeah, give that a shot. Yeah. No one's saying we have too many people, really. I'm sure there's someone out there that's saying it, but it's not a lot of them. I, I was just, I'm just making an assumption. Yeah, for sure. Now, you always said you're always learning. What are you learning right now? Oh, good Lord, what am I not learning? I wish I wasn't learning so much. I feel like it's, there's not enough space in here right now. What, what, what are the things that, are, that you're interested and in you're learning more about right now? Right now, I'm learning more about government jobs, right? Because I've always been in the, um, the private. So right now, I'm, I'm learning more through some friends of mine about government positions. I'm learning more about, right now, networking in the social media world. Right. Seriously, I am. As, as our friend tells me, you got to get out there. You got to do these things. I'm not the biggest on that. I'm learning about uh, I'm getting better at sizing ducks. I'm learning about more research concepts um, because I'm taking courses right now. I'm learning about there's too many things. Land development. Right. Because I've, I've been in like the other side of it. I've always been in construction. I'm worried about the developing side. Right. Not so much. There are multiple things I'm learning. I'm learning more about labor, race relations with labor and workforce development. Mm. Like that's one of my things right now, workforce development. What we're talking about right now, that's what I'm big on. That's what I'm really kind of keying in on, workforce development, how to get more people enticed in construction, even if it's possible with the way things are going now. You know, every day I was watching something yesterday. It's going to sound a little weird. I was watching Seinfeld. Okay. I used to love Slantfeld. And I said this to my boy Hoots, man. I said, you know, you see all these TV shows, they downplay trades and construction so often, right? So on, on Seinfeld, there's a carpenter and they're treating him just kind of like little, like he's just a carpenter, right? But he's he's like fixing their whole cabinetry and everything in his house. But the way they're acting towards him is like, he's like a schlep, you know? And I love the show. But when, when I see these signals where the, these signals are all over our society now, especially in TV, you know, where you see they're downplaying the pipe fitter or the carpenter or these things. And, and that's just Hollywood. That's just what's going on. And the only time I see people promoting it really is when I'm like on social media, Mike Rowe, you, me, people like this, Adam Hoots, you know, people that are attached to the industry already. But if you're not attached to the industry, no one really cares, you know, and you see these little signals I was telling uh, Hoots, I was watching the show Yellowstone, too. I love Yellowstone, right? I love the scene. It's all beautiful. And one of the guys goes back to meet, like, his biological father, okay? His biological father says, stay away from me. You don't want anything to do with me. You hang out with me. You're going to be sitting here welding, welding pipe, welding a fence. But that's a key signal. You see what I'm saying to you? It's in our everyday. Our TV's watching it. No one's promoting it on those things. He's telling you, don't be like me. If you want to be like me, you're going to be here welding pipe, mm. right? So they're they're not saying that that guy fixing that whole fence, you know, made $1,500 that day. They're not saying that because he's doing his own business. It's all his stuff. They're saying that that's not as good as what you have. Mm. But meanwhile, the guy in a suit might have been making 350 bucks a day or 500 bucks a day. And the pipe might have made more. So you see any signals all around. It's not just... um. It's, it's, it's on TV, man. It's on TV, and that's what the young people watch. It's what we all watch. You know, one of the things that pissed me off years ago was, 
know, I could always take the freight. I can't take the, the front entrance. We go through the elevator in the back. And I get it. You know, there's tools and everything like that. But you could have just put the freight in the front. Just off to the side where you see me and I'm walking through because I am a professional. You know, I am a professional. And it always pissed me off. And one of the reasons I harped on that paperwork thing about with, with field crews is because I never wanted to give someone the opportunity if they thought I was beneath them, if they thought I was dumb, I was never going to prove them right. So my paperwork was going to be clean. It was going to be, I was going to spell it correctly, each word, right? And I was going to write complete sentences. And this is one of the ways that I got into management, got to be a supervisor, got to be, and obviously now I have, I don't know how many degrees anymore. <laughs> but um, that was part of it though. Yeah. Don't let me ramble, Tate. <laughs> attention to detail matters Alistair is there anything that I did not ask you but you want to share no man no you, you just, if you just fire away I'll, I'll answer as many as I can I don't know how well I'm doing for you yeah no you're doing good I don't know if this is going to be the most exciting podcast ever <laughs> you know? no it is, it is awesome and then I, I think I have all my questions answered how do you see the construction trade changing over the years? I'm really in the middle about that question, but I really am because of what I just said about the TV. Uh, I see people trying, but I also see, you know, I know there was a big shift in the in the 70s and the 80s to get people to go to college and kind of get away from trades and all the technology that's advanced so so fast, so rapidly, and it's, and it's still doing it. I, I really, I, I see it two ways. Either it's going to get way worse. I mean, like way worse, right? Because people want to be social media influencers and God knows what else. Or people are really going to see the need because you walk into the supermarket and everything's automated now. You go in the easy pass lane is automated. It used to be, what would you call them? Toll people that, that would run the tolls would actually take your cash. You don't have that anymore. So technology is kind of forcing us to to move away from those jobs are not available to us anymore, right? I used to get on a subway and there was, a, you know, someone at the toll. You could go get your metro card or your, your pass right there. You can't and you just go right to the machine. So those jobs aren't available anymore. So maybe that's going to force people to come into construction because if that's not available, now what else is? It could work that way. Or people just want to work remote. Listen, my goddaughters are going to turn 21 years old. They just want to work from home. They want to work remote. They don't want to do anything. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really in the middle. I, we just got to keep trying to get someone in because it's not going anywhere. When people start realizing we need to fix our roads, we need someone to fix our, our piping, our, our plumbing, our sewer lines, our electrical lines. That's not going anywhere. Actually, it's you're only getting more of it because now you got to work with the EV motor stations the charging stations, there's there's more things opening up. There's a company called Next Era Energy. They're doing wind farms out the wazoo. Like, they're great. These are more trades jobs that are opening up. I, I really don't know, T. I got to tell you, man, I, I, I see it going. There's two avenues it could really play out, and I can't decide where it's going to go yet. I'm just kind of trying to help it go the one I think is right, which is get more people involved. These are high-paying jobs. They're high-paying jobs. But I do think people are afraid of you know, spending for, I'll tell you this, I was, I damn sure was afraid when I was 25 because I saw the crews that were 45, 50, 55 complaining. Like I saw them complaining and I didn't want me personally to have my income based on my physical ability. 
Like that scared me, you know, and I didn't want to be one of these guys that was complaining and disgruntled. And as one of my um, teachers in trade school said, don't let people plant the seed of discontent in your head because they are unhappy. So I've tried to always stay that way, but I acknowledge the fact that I didn't want to be one of the guys that was complaining if my back hurts or my body hurts or something like that, um, being pushed to do overtime. And that's why more of the career trajectory is necessary to help people navigate. And, you, and companies may have to realize that they're going to have to train people for different positions and expect to lose some of them, but take pride in the fact that you did that you got them to that other stage, right? No one wants to train, well, not no one. I don't want to say no one, that's, that's foolish. So I would assume some people don't want to train because they're fear of losing their people, right? Why train and why spend that money on them if we're going to lose them? Well, it's better for the whole industry overall. Like, be, take pride in the fact that you, I went to it one time and someone offered me a job and I said, oh, I told them I, told them I needed, you know, at least 150 make this movie. He says, no, you, Al, you're an idiot. <laughs> and he goes, you should ask for 175. Because now they're going to talk you, they're going to try to talk you down from 150. 150 is where you wanted to land. Right? But this was my mentor mentoring me, teaching. He wasn't scared of losing me. He was proud that I was going to go make more. And that's something that, if that could happen, that'd be great. But then again, we are in a business and, you know, People don't want to spend money. They just want to make it. So we'll see how it goes. All right. Well, fair enough. Perfect. Alistair, thank you for uh, coming on. Oh, man, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. I, I, as Hoots tells me, I got to talk more. I got to do things more. I don't know why. I'm still confused as to why. But uh, I appreciate you being okay with me in my home office and my, my poor lighting and having me, man. And you put it up there. I'll promote it. I'll promote it myself. I got to get better at that too. I'm sure you follow me and I'm like, he doesn't do much. I, I need a PR person. <laughs> Recommend a PR person for me. You got hits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to the Specify Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash tats talks for video of today's podcast hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c-suiteradio.com <laughs>